0: I'm Siri Linley, two-time world champion, author, speaker, animal activist, survivor, and thriver. I have found a way to overcome every challenge and to take the impossible and make it possible. On my podcast, we're going to talk real life. We're going to get vulnerable. We're going to go first. You're not alone in your fears, your doubts, or your worries. The most successful people in the world have them. Stick with me on this journey. I will help you harness your power, claim your magic, and create the life that you dream of. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Bedhead Chronicles. I am so super excited to introduce you to my next guest, Anthony Trucks. Anthony Trucks is a former NFL athlete, an American Ninja Warrior on NBC, by the way, love that international speaker, host of the All Shift podcast, and the founder of Identity Shift Coaching. Okay, Anthony, I just can't wait to hear your story. I've read about your story, but I would love for you to just share with my listeners, how did you get to where you are today? Mm -hmm. Because you have quite the story.
1: Yeah, uh, God, a big piece of it, I think. I know. Uh, uh I, I think also getting here was a really big test of my ability to kind of stand back up when all things go, you know, wrong, which is everybody's journey. But there's you know different ways you can navigate that. And then because I'm aware of my ability to navigate hard situations, I'll take on more precarious situations, which I think sometimes people don't always do. Um, so yeah, no, I think that's a big piece. But for me, like call it life-wise, I was given away as a kid. I endured a lot as a kid in the foster care system. I uh, was brought into a family in my sixth house, uh, really poor all white family. So navigated the areas of not having money, not feeling like I fit, not looking like the family. I was adopted after 11 years in the system at the age of 14. Finally got an opportunity to play a sport, which I was not allowed to do prior to because of the situation with my biological mom and all that kind of weird stuff. And I got to play a game that I was horrible at. I loved it, but I was bad at it, which is the natural part of anything we do, right? We try something in the beginning, we go, hey, I like this. And then I go, oh, I don't like how I feel when I do this. So kind of checked out. My adoptive mom got diagnosed with multiple sclerosis. And it was like a, a kind of a weird window of time where I was like, I'm just going to be a statistic. You know, foster kids in America, we don't have very good numbers behind us. 75% of inmates in America are former foster kids. Half the homeless population spent time in foster care. And Less than 1% of us graduated from college, so we're not set up to do very well. But uh, I was able to beat the odds in a weird way because something happened that woke me up and I leaned back into the game of football and finding out what I had to do to be great at it. And a lot of it was a battle of who I was. I didn't see myself in the lights that was necessary to be successful. Therefore, I didn't take the action, so I didn't get the results. And then when I kind of flipped it on its head through a lot of weird, hard work, uh, the game changed. My life changed. I had a scholarship to play football at the University of Oregon, so I became a duck had a son my sophomore year met my real my biological dad my sophomore year of uh, of college and journey through that got married at the end of college had a blessed opportunity to play in the NFL NFL stands for not for long so three years in I tear my shoulder I come home and I have to navigate the ups and downs of who am I without the game and that was a hard battle and just through that journey I lost everything I lost my marriage I wasn't a good parent I lost my my physical shape I didn't feel like I mattered much. It was at one point like suicidal. I'm like, if this is life after the game, like I don't want to part of this, you know? And so thankfully I was able to navigate some rough waters. And then about three years after divorce and a weird turn of events of me figuring myself and this life thing, out, I remarried my ex-wife. We're now five years deep in a marriage uh, that I love. And I get a chance to kind of go back to the world and teach the things that I learned about myself that I can then, you know, implant in other people's hearts so they can learn about themselves and do what I call which is makeshift happen in their lives. That's my call it, nutshell of a journey.
0: Okay, wow. I have goosebumps all over my body. And also there's so many things that I am relating to here. I mean, my sport triathlon, I didn't know how to swim when I decided that I wanted to be the best in the world. And it was ridiculous. Cause it's like, how am I gonna do that? How, uh, there's so many questions I have, but first off, what was it about football? and at that point coming out of the foster care system had you been kind of living that story that you know this is headed nowhere being a foster child you know this is what my future is going to look like was that the first identity shift that you had to change and was football the thing that allowed you to say okay i am no longer this i am a football player was that kind of the the shift there
1: Partially. Uh, you know, I wouldn't even say that I really got over all that till I was like early 30s. So just so we lay that out there. It's a weird one, uh, but it's the nature of the, the journey we went through. When your own mom and family don't think that you matter and they give you away, it it stays with you, man. It clings to your soul a little bit more than it needs to. But the, I think the first shift took place like at 15 because I came out of the foster care system. But, you know, it's still this, as far as I'm concerned, it's, I'm living with the same people in the same environment. So that doesn't really change too much. Uh, but the mentality of what I could do changed. But just because you have an opportunity to do so doesn't mean you believe that's who you are just yet. You have to earn it, you know. So I went through the first two years of trying football was not good. So I didn't have that sense of self. It wasn't until I had this offseason between like freshman and sophomore year in high school where I kind of leaned in. And I did something I call dark work. It's, it's, uh, it's kind of a thing that I'm I'm unpacking and learning more about now and studying to be able to share with the world a little bit later. But it's this idea that I've realized that there are moments in time when all of us have these dark work experiences, windows of a timeframe when there was unsexy, uncelebrated, unsupported work that allows you to shine in the light. And so for me at 15, I kind of tucked away and I started like lifting weights and running routes and you know, running, you know, all I could to condition to get faster. And teammates would make fun of me. Oh, trucks, man, you're slow. Why are you running routes, man? Like you can't catch. Why are you trying to catch a football? Like all these things. I would catch a football every day from my back 500 times a day or I wouldn't go to sleep till I did. So I did these things that that no one knew I was doing. And if they did, they made fun of me when they saw. However, it was these deposits. I call them these dark work deposits where day after day after day I did it. And And when I emerged into the light later on, I had this mentality of, I have done too much work in the dark for you to take what is mine in the light. And this this sense of like, I deserve this because I've already paid for it, it's my time to collect. That was what I think was the first actual shift of self because it was, it was, I was somebody new because I paid the price to be that new person now.
0: Yeah, and you met your standards of what it would take to deserve that. And I love that, God, I love this the dark work and the, the doing behind the scenes that no one sees. How did you know when you'd finally like that moment where you gave yourself permission to say, you know what? I deserve the light now.
1: Yeah. You know, It's funny. I, I, I study that. I'm trying to figure that moment out too. I call it the emergence moment because there's a point in time when all of us have that, that, we have a say that we need to start something, the imposter syndrome. I don't know if I'm right for this. I don't know if I can. I'm not prepared. But I've never known myself or a high level athlete or you know an executive or anybody that has done a ton of work in the background. And then when it comes game time, if they know they've done the work that isn't chomping at the bit. Like if 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 you get to the point where it's like game time, you go, I don't know if I'm I don't I don't I might can I? What if I if your brain's there, you didn't do enough dark work or hard enough dark work. Because when I've done the work where like I killed myself, like I died in the weight room, I died in the track, every rep I gave it all, I couldn't wait to get in the, in the field because in my head, I'm like, you have no idea what you are about to get a, a taste of. Like this mentality was, was different. I didn't have this fear. So I think when I had that kind of that bottled up emotion of like, I'm about to do some damage and they have no idea what's coming. Like that was when I knew it was time. I knew I'd done enough of that work. And I think when you create those dark work experiences, it's not about just setting up simple habits and routines that feel good or th- you know, it really should be you challenging yourself to depths that make you scared of what's in front of you. Like you should be genuinely little afraid of, can I do this? Am I going to be able to, to manage this? And you find ways almost like hang on by the skin of your teeth, but eventually you do it enough to where you go, there is no way I just did all of that to come out here and not get every single thing I believe I deserve. And that's when you know it's time to emerge.
0: My God, this is my whole life, Anthony. Like, I'm, I'm sitting here like I feel like you're my sole brother. <laughs> it's, it's exactly what you're saying. Like, for me, I feel like how can we ever know what we're truly capable of? If we're not trying to do what we don't think we can every single day. And that's how I've kind of spent my life is putting myself in situations like you did, you know, scared, you know, to bits about, will I be able to withstand what I'm going to put myself through right now? But what you're saying and what I think is so valuable for people to know is that if you go there in your own time, if you put yourself in those situations, you choose that then on the day of reckoning, whatever that means for you, it's like, I'm ready. I've yeah. gone there. I've there done that. And then it almost even feels, you you know, you you do that kind of work. And would you agree that it almost feels easier on that big day? Oh, yeah, than anything you've done before it? It's a celebration rather than, you know, this extraordinary yeah. feat. Do you well, agree?
1: The, yeah, I agree. Because i think the funny thing is success should not be surprising yes like i think there's a lot of people that like they win and they're like i'm you don't see tom brady like i'm surprised we won no you know like it's the level of work these people do it's not i think that's what people are thinking like they're gonna do what they do and then when they when they do succeed like oh my gosh i can't i can't believe i got the award the grammy like nah man like you when you know you did the work, it's like it's like I did it. Okay, cool. Thank. I'm I'm glad I'm validated for my internal thoughts. The different kind of feel. So, yeah, there should be points in time when you step onto the field of of life and you go into the lights and do your thing. But in my opinion, it shouldn't be the first time you've mentally been there, right? If you've if you've done the word, what do they say? Ble- um, the bleed in battle? So you don't, so you know, or say bleed in practice so you don't die in battle or something like that, or die in practice. I can't think of what it was, but it's like all about bleeding in the battle or in the practice realm. So you don't actually die in battle. Like, can I bleed? Can I sweat? Can I do all this here? So when I go out there, it's much easier. Because for me, when I look back to our time, like when I played sports, we'll call it. I had these windows where like we would kill ourselves in practice. Like we would have 40 minutes of the first, like 40 of practice, just conditioning then one-on-one conditioning. Then we would do these things called Fuji, which two minute drill. I couldn't breathe. I couldn't see sometimes. And this is a practice, right? And so we do this in practice. So when game time came, I was never tired. I never got to that level of, of exertion when it came to the game. Like you could have a hard game. When I got done with most games, I could play again. But it doesn't mean I didn't give my absolute all on every play. It's just my threshold for work capacity was so far beyond. Therefore, I wasn't tired. I was focused. I made plays. I felt confident. I felt I can step in the field. I'm going to dominate you. But that came from the work. And so, yeah, I think when you've done all those things and you you step into the field of play, if you've done that kind of work before, then this becomes easy. The game should physically be easier. Like there may be more pressure because of the, the, the moments on. But if you've already given yourself the pressure of having to stay disciplined and stay dialed and be competitive for yourself and your practice and your preparation, this is just a matter of you flexing a muscle, you've flexed a thousand times before.
0: Yes. I mean, one million percent. Boom on that philosophy. And I think a lot of people make the mistake of expecting to step up levels on the big day.
1: You know, know. because
0: of the environment and the competition and this and it's like, no, Mm -hmm. like you got to be getting getting it done every single day beforehand. the way I train my athletes, which is how you train yourself, I'm seeing, is everything that we do in training is going to be so much harder than they will ever face on race day. Mm -hmm. And that allows them to have that celebration, to step into the light, to not be surprised Mm -hmm. by the success now, yeah. this identity that you have, I feel, is so incredibly powerful. How would you put your identity into words, who you are, the man that you are today?
1: Yeah, It's interesting because there's a, there's like a neurological part of this, there's a psychological part of this, there's a spiritual part of this. Identity is an interesting, deep thing. But we'll, we'll take it to the level of this conversation. I'll go into weird and deep in it. Um, I'm an individual who identifies a person that does the work that that shows up in all facets of how i show up like it i I'm, I'm a guy that I, I don't identify with the outcomes of the what you've read off as the bio i identify as the person who does the effort who gives the work who like if i can do those things the rest of it just takes care of itself so i'm the guy that when the marriage needs you know me to show up in certain ways i'm going to do that work when the weight room like i don't want to do the last couple sets and no one else will know i will know someone to do the work when i need to be soft as a parent or hard as a parent I'll do that. I'll do the work. Like if I set a line and I'm like tired, but my this line's got to be held as a parent, I'm going to do that work. And so I identify as a person who sees the work that needs to be done that's hard and doesn't. I don't avoid it. I don't find ways to make excuses or to go around it. And so that I would believe is the anchor of my identity. And because of that, it shows up having integrity, of, of having work ethic, of, of being respectful, like these all tie into these aspects. But that's how I I'd identify because that's what My life needs me to be, especially as a leader of other human beings, and as as a father and as a husband in the household, there's certain things that has to be there. And if if I don't do the things behind the scenes, then I have this cognitive dissonance when I try to do it in front of the scenes. If I want to be a leader in the world here, talk on podcasts, be a husband, if I'm not doing that work in private that no one sees, I'll naturally ooze a level of discomfort or lack of confidence that the world will not even know they're seeing, but they'll be seeing. So my identity is rooted in the work.
0: Amazing. It makes me think of my favorite quote by Prefontaine. He was a a famous- I went to Oregon. Okay. So to give anything less than your best is to sacrifice the gift. Mm -hmm. And that gives me goosebumps every time I say it because of what that means to me, what it makes me think. And, And that's what it made me think, what you were just saying there. But with that, I feel like any great, um, pursuit has this, this, this powerful reason why it matters to you. Mm -hmm. Like, if you could tell me all of this, who you are, this extraordinary man that you are, this extraordinary leader that you are, not just out in the world, but for your family and, and the fearless leader of your own life, what has been that why underneath it all?
1: So that's a good question, man. I don't know. I do know, but I, it's not going to be a super sexy answer. I think it's just curiosity. Yeah. It's, it's, uh, there's this quote that I came up with years ago, and it says, the last person you should ever meet in your deathbed is a person you could have been.
0: Oh, my God.
1: Right. So I don't, I don't like, I don't like the thought of me getting to the back end of my days and going, like, what could I have done, Aunt? What could you have done? Like, I, I'm a busy human being. I do a lot of different things, but I don't do them at a level where they're halfway and I don't do things that don't make sense for my world, but I don't want to diminish my life experience based on a weird fear or, you know, an excuse that I accept of, I don't have time. So these little things pop into my head and I go, can I make time? Is the time I'm spending properly allocated? Like, so for me, I look at my life and I go, I'm curious, what am I capable of doing? What is possible? Like what, what is the thing that I look at and my my natural instinct goes, ah, that's stupid. And then I go, wait, wait, let me think. Let me re- re- look at it again. Is it possible? Could you do it? What would be the outcome of it? Like, could it challenge you somewhere else? Could you develop a new skill you didn't have that could benefit somewhere else? So for me, I'm always curious of like, who can I become? Because I know as a growing up as a kid, I didn't have, I didn't have visions of me being anything. It's not what you have as a kid growing up in those situations. Like the place I get to travel now they still boggle my mind when I try to like, and I kick out of it for a second. I go back to that little kid. I'm like, this dude didn't even know it existed as a possibility. It was a book. It was a picture. It was fairy tale land, but now I'm there, you know? And so for me, it's realizing that I am, I am content, but not complete. I'm content with what I have. I love my my house, my wife, my life, my kids. I like, I love these things, but I'm not complete in the journey. And so for me, it's a matter of saying, can I be curious, consistently curious about what's possible and then lean into it when I see it.
0: Amazing. Where do you think this curiosity was born? Because I think it's such a powerful. I mean, that curiosity when you're feeling something you don't want to feel, when you're suffering over something that that you really don't need to suffer over. It, it's that mm-hmm. curiosity of saying, you know, what am I focusing on? What meaning yeah. am I giving this? And how can I, you know, change my focus so that I can move out of this space, like. It's such a powerful tool. Like, like when did you acquire that tool? How did you figure that out? It sounds like something simple because that's how you live your life. Mm -hmm. But how did you build that muscle of curiosity in a way that has really served you?
1: Yeah. Well, to I think there's a level of curiosity. It's also tied to like a connection of fear, right? So if you think about there's a, a room, it's the you know, black room that's dark and you hear noises, you're curious about what's in there, but you're not about to walk in that room. Like, I'm a, You know, so there's a level of curiosity that fits. And I think for me as a kid, I had the curiosity of what would it be like to be a football player? What would it be like to go to college? However, at the moment I had that first curiosity, it was fearful. Like I didn't know how to do that. I have no idea. If I walk into that area that's that's unknown because we all fear the unknown, we all see the bad things in there. And if I have no tools to manage that room, no no weapons to wield, then I'm not going to step into it. And I think for me, what it was, was navigating all of the crap in life that I'd experienced. We all relatively have our own dark bottoms. We've been to all of us, but we've survived a hundred percent of those days. And I think one of the things that led me to have an optimistic curiosity, not a fearful one all the time was I survived them. I go, man, if I, if I got through the foster care system, I got through, you know, stuff in my marriage and I got through stuff in the business where I almost went bankrupt. I've got through all these kinds of things. And, you know, at one point not wanting to be, or if I've navigated that, I got some tools. And so Every time I was curious about something, I wanted to lean in, but I was apprehensive because I didn't have the tools. Once I realized I had them, I was like, well, I just run into this room and figure it out. So I started taking some dives into rooms of like hopping on stages and becoming a consultant, launching podcasts, like doing these things. And the more you do them, you go, man, I've got more tools than I realized I had. I got a lot tucked, tucked away back here. And if I just run into the room and start, you know, seeing what's in front of me and then I pull a tool, up, I'm good. So now I have this optimistic curiosity It's replaced the fearful ones, simply because I started flexing the muscle. I started trying things. And the more you try things, the more you learn about yourself, which means there's less unknown. Because I know inevitably there's going to be problems, but I bring me to those problems. Yes. And that's the known that's strong enough for me to take on the unknown. Wow.
0: Okay. So powerful. And basically, too, that's a shift in saying, rather than focusing on what I don't have, I'm going to focus on what I do have. Yeah. All these skills, all these tools, and I'm going to bring it to that dark room. Yeah. What has been, you know, you you talk about that time with with the shoulder injury. Yeah, and I love not for long for NFL, not NFL, for long, yeah. but
1: long, yeah. It's crazy.
0: How did you Process what happened, and and tell me a little bit about when when you realized that your career in football is over. How um, long did it take you to get from that place to turning things around?
1: Let's see, twenty uh, I would probably I'd probably say so. Let's just say that that moment of when it all took place was two thousand. We'll call it eleven. No, 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 no. That was 2009. So 2009, this took place. And I'd probably say I didn't really figure it out until like 2016. It's like seven years, probably a good seven years. Because what happens is the game is over. And I remember there was a moment in time when I had, I'd got shoulder surgery and as a linebacker, it's now my second shoulder surgery. So I've had both shoulders redone. I've got, you know, wrist on my left side has been broken since high school. Low back, sprained ligaments in my back. It's got a, little, a lot of weird stuff. All things you do not want as a linebacker. So I got this contract offer from the Buffalo Bills. However, there's a waiver on my shoulder, meaning if we sign you and your shoulder gets hurt, no one's covering it. Not the NFL, not us. So my agent goes, do you want this contract? I go, I don't I don't know. And he says, well, just to be honest and tell you, if you get hurt, you're paying for this. If you have no money to pay for it, you're disabled. You can't get a job. You may not be able to feed your family. Like There may be some def- difficult things. And he's like, I don't think you should take it. Like, I don't think it's the wise decision for your future to take this contract that puts you in such a precarious situation. And so I remember him saying, You know, I got to make a choice, hang it up, or we, or we sign a contract. And I was in a room in my office at the time. I got this gym I'd started up kind of just to kind of be idle. And I remember like saying, Okay, it's time to hang it up. And I remember crying, like bawling like a big baby for like an hour because it was just me by myself there, like five in the morning. And, uh, and sure enough, like that was the end of it. And the problem is, You don't have any clue who you are now because when you've given your all to something, you've leaned in and like for 13 years of my life, that was where I poured into, I was Anthony Trucks, the football player. So now when I don't have the football player tag, well, who's Anthony Trucks now? You know, I've, I've, I've paid this price and now I don't get the return anymore. And it's like, well, shoot So you have this complete lack of self-confidence, self-worth you have no idea how to show up into the world. And what the problem was, was that turned into me, realizing the fruit of my labors was now gone. I was this piece of fruit that fell off the tree and I rolled around. And so what happens is for a little bit, I'm, you know, I just got out of the league so I could hang out and I'm still, you know, I just used to play for the Steelers last, you know, last month, last week. And then it was last year. And then it was like last two years. And it's like, I'm nobody now. So that fruit eventually, like any real fruit, it withers and dies and it rots. That's how I felt. So everything around me started dying. I was like, why is all this stuff going downhill? And it took me a reason I say seven years it's because I, I, I still anchored to Anthony was the piece of fruit. And what I found out years later is fruit is always on a piece of like, you know, a piece of fruit's on a tree. And I and we have never been the fruit. We've always been the tree. And so when I was paying attention to the fruit, I lost sight of the tree and all the other piece of fruit in the marriage and the health and the relationship. that was connected to the tree. So lo and behold, that fruit dies. I stopped focusing. So the rest of the fruit dies. Life goes downhill. And when I finally got to this realization of like, no, no, I was the guy that created that for my life. So if I go back to take care of the tree, the right roots, the right soil, the right nutrients, the right environment, I could produce sweeter and more abundant fruit. That was the catalyst for me to get this realization. I get back on the horse, we'll call it, and fix my life because I was the common denominator in all my problems. So if I can look in it and go, okay, either you allowed this, you created this, how do you fix it? that was the thing that gave me the sense of like, okay, let me dive back in. And so I took care of the tree and life got fruitier. Wow,
0: I mean, that is just so powerful and it kind of, I feel like those discoveries or those epiphanies happen when you kind of reach a point of desperation where I'm I'm just tired of suffering. I'm tired of watching everything fall apart. So, Tell me where. It, well, first of all, I'd I'd love for you to talk about your shift method, mm-hmm. and when was that born? Was it yeah. right then after the seven years? I mean, I, I can <laughs> imagine. Like, if you could kind of give us some insight into that. Yeah.
1: Well, you know, they always say it's like a golden thread through life. That you don't notice. You know, golden threads kind of that thing that holds all the pieces together. It holds the meaning, and it's infused in all aspects. And to be honest, uh, the shift method was always present. I just didn't know it was there. And it wasn't made aware to me until I was like, was 20, what, 17, we'll call it. But I'd gone through stuff in my life. I'd gone through, the, you know, the stuff as a kid, being a better football player and then going to college and being a father, present father, and then, you know, getting to the NFL and opening a gym and having some success. There are all these weird little things. But every one of those stages... There was a, a unique moment in time that that forced me to have to figure out who I was or like to level up, we'll call it. Yeah. And what it was, was, it was 2017. I was sitting in a room of guys. It was like all these huge names in our industry, just phenomenal humans. And and I go to share and I'm like the low guy in the totem pole, to be quite honest. And I share my story what I'm doing. And one of the guys goes, I don't like it. I go, what do you mean you don't like it? Like I spent years developing this concept. It was called Trust Your Hustle at the time. And he goes, I don't like it. I go, can you break it down? Like he goes, well... There's a message and there's a messenger. He says, you're the messenger. You can talk, you can share. Like, I can hear you. I, I'm, I'm catching everything you're saying. I'm hanging on your words. But the message doesn't land for me. He's like, to trust your hustle. It's like, we all in this room hustle. Some of the most successful people in the world, they hustle. But he says, what, what I want to know is, how did you navigate the foster care situation? the You know, the, the interracial situation, the, the young father situation, the meet your father situation. How'd you get to the NFL? How'd you stick around though? How you did, how'd you get out of that? And then your life goes downhill. How'd you get back up? Because most people don't when that takes place. How are you married to your ex-wife? He's like, how did you navigate all those different areas of your identity and make it into this room? And I go, oh, that's that's a good question. He's like, that's what I want to know. So that was what I went and kind of dug into. And sure enough, it unpacked this this area where I looked through all my life and I go, oh, I just, I have navigated more things than most people have. Where I have gone through places that people are still stuck. Yeah. And for me, it was always like, I was okay releasing who I was and who I saw myself to be at the hopes of creating that next guy, the next person, because I don't believe you can have a dream that is beyond your current identity. Mm-hmm. If, I, if I don't see myself as the millionaire, you're never going to do the actions yeah. necessary to create that. If I don't see myself as the great husband, I'll never have a phenomenal marriage. So how do you see yourself in that? That's what I did when I was a kid. I would do the work to create the The sense of return of identity of saying, I've put this deposit in here now is my return of confidence, of self-esteem, of identity in that space. And so the shift method was me kind of reeling back all the, you know, the layers of the onion of what I had done previously from a, we'll call it common sense standpoint. And then from that, I said, okay, here's common sense, what I did, then how do I take that and tie it to like, let's study psychology. Where's the actual bridge of, of proof from studies that makes this thing make sense? And I found that. I go great, great. Now, how do I get someone to take the actions to go through the same journey? And that became a methodology that now guides people from the place of wherever they're at, which is typically not in the happiest parts of life, uh, but they have an aspiration of some sort. It guides them from where they are currently at to this place where they're now doing what I call is making shift happen in their life. It's making that a moment like making shift happen is not just like it's cool. It's a moment of of such overwhelming joy from a, a positive achievement that you can't put it into words. Like that moment of like, holy, this is real. That's the moment I want you to get it to. That doesn't happen on accident. And so I help people shift to create that moment for themselves.
0: Amazing. So it's a becoming of that person you want to, the life you want to live, the story you want to live in life. It's becoming that person that it is. We'll but it's also
1: them. doing it through achievement. Cause I mean, as part of, it, it's like the, you know, we'll call it spiritual aspect. If you want to call it that. And I, I don't want to get, I don't like getting too hung up with that. Cause let's be honest. It's not always sexy to people and people go, ah, oh, it sounds all weird. It's not concrete I enough I
0: talking about it personally. But- oh,
1: I do but- too. hundred percent. But the Absolutely. people that I want to help. They That's don't, right. people don't want to help. like, I just want to know what can I, I want to make some more money. I go, great, great. You can let's say make a million dollars. Who will you be with that million? If you're, if you're yeah. a millionaire, with no husband and no wife or no you know kids and everybody hates you, is it worth it? It's not about the achievement, it's about who you become while you achieve. And so for me, the the methods of duality, it's very heavily based and if you want to, like there's so many deep roots in, like productivity, but also what are you being productive in and who are you becoming while you're productive? So we are big on, I want you to achieve, you're going to achieve something great. If you wanna write the book, you wanna get the stage, you wanna get the promotion, we're going to calculate the actions to achieve that because that's what was necessary for me as a high school player. I had to do the actions, right? Yes. But then the at the backside, when I achieved, then the transformation follows. This who I become is like, man, I, I'm a starter and I'm doing great, but I'm also a good human. I'm, I'm a solid husband. I'm a solid father. Like, So I can do the things I do and not feel guilty for having accomplished. That's a weird thing to feel like you got somewhere, but you don't deserve it or you feel guilty. That sucks. So for me, it's how do we make sure in this methodology we're crafting and structuring your achievement path as well as factoring in the things you're doing around that so you become the person you want as you transform.
0: Amazing. And I feel like all of this then leads to not only them getting there, but the most important thing, feeling the fulfillment that comes along with that. Because
1: It's a great way to frame it.
0: I mean, how, how horrible is it when people achieve success, but they don't feel fulfilled, they think it's going to change them, but it doesn't. So what I love what you do is you are making sure that along the way that when they get there, they're going to feel that fulfillment. And that is the ultimate success.
1: Yeah, it always is. There's there's like kind of like two parts of that because one part of it is the aspect of like getting there, crafting that, doing that. But the other thing is, like when you get there, we'll call it the get there. It's always been odd to me because I found like when I get there, I'm, I'm not, we all hear about it. Like you get to the top, you're like, all right, now what? They're, humans are happiest in motion. We're not designed to sit and do true. nothing. We're, when I'm twiddling away at something like that's what I'm at most joy. But the idea is a lot of people are waiting to get to that end result. I made that uh, check mark, check the box. And that's great. I take nothing from it. We need those carrots to chase. But the destination is really the journey. Can I live in a life where I get up every day and I love what I do, but I'm also doing things, moving me towards something, but you're going to spend so much more time climbing the mountain than hanging out at the peak. So if you can fall in love with the climb of the mountain, your life's amazing. You've reached the actual destination, which is the climb. Life doesn't stop. And so for me, it's the one piece of the other part of it is setting your own scale for what's great. Because I think sometimes we have this world adopted scale of what success looks like. For me, I'm in season of dad right now. I have, you know, a 17-year-old heading off to college here in about five weeks. I got twins that are 13. I'm working on one of them, trying to get them to, to put an effort. It's so crazy. He is not like me, you know, it's just different. But at the same time, like I'm in the season of being here because I want them to want to come home for the holidays. Yes. But that is all based on what I'm doing now. And so in the world of what I do work-wise... It doesn't make sense for me to say, I get up every morning with my son and we do a morning routine that, you know, starts at six 30 ends at about seven o'clock. And so I don't work until, you know, seven 30 I eat breakfast where most people are like, get up at four o'clock and work. I don't. And I actually, when two 30 hits, I go get them from school. I don't work till six, two 30, I'm done. So my work window, I got maybe six and a half hours a day where some guys go, I can get 10. So in comparison to them, if that was my scale of success, I'd say, oh, I'm falling short. I'm not working the level I should. And I would feel, I would feel heavy. I wouldn't feel you know, alive to work. And so I go, no, my scale says I'm doing a phenomenal job because I'm dad. Yeah. And so when I have that in place, I feel like I'm accomplished on the journey I set out for myself.
0: Amazing. It's all about the story we tell ourselves of what's required to be succeeding or falling short. Yeah. And I think it's so important that balance in your life. And I, I bet, especially now, after having lost that for a little while, that, you know, how deep is your appreciation and desire to want to be present, to want to be dad, to want to be husband, to want to be present? Like, do you think you would have had that if, it, if you hadn't lost it in the first place?
1: No. You can. And that's I mean, the hard part. Maybe not that you can. If you listen to people, you can, but not many of us listen, like really listen. we will here. We don't really deeply listen. And so, yeah, having something and losing it and then knowing what it, what it means, it gives you a whole new perspective in real time of how to navigate moments and situations, whether it's a communication, my wife or how I, you know, do things with my time. Like I used to be like, ah, family's the most important thing, but then it would be like the laptop never left my lap phone was always in my hand so I'm never with my family when I'm with my family you know so these things they do adapt and change and so it's been a lot of dark work for me behind the scenes unsexy unsupported by some you know it's it's very difficult but in that aspect this is what's allowed me to shine in the light I can go to the world and say I'm a phenomenal father I'm a great husband I'm a great business leader in what I do I I do phenomenal things for the world because when the lights are out and you're not here and I'm not on a podcast I work. Like I do a lot of things that are that I'm even always thinking work. Sometimes it's just work on myself, you know. It's it's physically working out, it's doing things for the purpose of being able to consistently identify with the person I'm telling you I am right now.
0: Amazing. I mean that personal accountability, that awareness of what you're doing in every moment. It's just This is just so powerful. I want to thank you so much, Anthony for sharing gold today. Um, I do want to just ask one more question about that balance. Do you believe that being a great father, being a great husband, doing all that dark work, do you feel that even though that takes time, takes you away from the doing of whatever the work we're talking about other people, don't you feel that having that balance just allows you to give so much more to the work that you do that makes that work even more successful?
1: Yeah. I mean, I don't call it balance. I think balance is, uh, it's a weird, it's a weird thing. It's not because I conceptually it should make sense, but if I was to actually be logical with balance, it goes, okay, well, if I give eight hours at work or six hours at work, my wife needs six hours. And my kids need six hours. And I can tell you right now, if they get more than 60 minutes of me, sometimes it's frustrating for everybody involved, you know? So, uh, <laughs> What I call it is, I call it hustle harmony. Yes. I, I hustle in all these areas of my life, but I have a, a harmony of the way the instruments of life kind of weave together. Some are heavier tempo than others at different times. Some have a you know, faster, beat. there's just difference there. Uh, so for me, it's like, yeah, I, I have this harmony, but because I have the harmony and the peace, I'm not battling something inside that keeps me away from showing up in the world. Like the, the peace is the most important part for me. Because when I'm at peace, I can get more done. I'm, I'm more productive. I'm, I'm more efficient. I'm more effective, which means that I have clear thoughts. I get more stuff done on a consistent basis. It may not be some huge rush today, but the little drops, they fill a bucket over time. And then when I step onto a stage, because I, I continuously did stuff, I just, I'm better inherently than I was last year because I've spent a year preparing because I never stopped. And That, that harmony is what I, I seek to maintain. When I have that harmony I have that peace, I'm reading the books, I'm doing the studies, I'm practicing different things on the background, I'm putting videos out, I'm, I'm always developing. And so that momentum never dies. And then when I step back into the light, I have a sense of pride because I know I've done the work. I don't feel like an imposter because I know I've done the work and the skill set's developed enough and I've done enough of that dark work to where I go, I'm not hiding this from the world. I'm not gonna rob the world of the gift of me. It's my time and I've done the work, it's time to collect.
0: Amazing. At the end of your days, a hundred years from now, what is going to matter most to
1: you? Uh, if my kids want to come hang out, man. That's it. That's it's. Do my kids want to come hang out? Because there's, it's a lot that goes into that. I don't. I don't. I, I haven't thought and explained too deeply on it. But there's a guttural connection to me, and and my kids desiring to be around me as a human because they don't have to once they leave. You know and. And those are some of the best relationships they, it is the most important. It's my legacy. It's the name. It's when I move on. That's what's left behind, you know, 200 years from now, no one's going to know who I am. You know, there are very few, and if they do know who I am, it'll be some skewed perspective tied to a weird history book. that some political party, you know, like it's <laughs> never the actual thing. So like, I just go, okay, will my, will my children be proud of who I am so much so that if somebody goes in the public and they go and they say, who's your dad, Anthony trucks, someone can go, Oh, that guy's great. Or they can feel proud when someone goes, oh, I've heard of your dad, right? That matters to me. Outside of that, when I was seeking like the desire for the world to put my name in lights and I'm the football guy, like it's fickle and it's empty. Like I don't get to actually experience the moments that matter most of my life. Like the most important moments are the ones sitting on the couch, watched a movie with, you know, my wife sitting next to me and the kids farting and moving around and doing like, those are the moments that really are your life. It's not the like on a stage and the lights are there. That's cool but it's that's so fast you 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 don't even get to fully sit in it sometimes, you know, but for me, it's the the having long term memories of the relationship I get to develop and see grow over eighteen years with these kids, and like that's what matters. so if I do that right, I think that's the best testament to my my humanity over time
0: beautiful, Anthony. you are an extraordinary soul. I feel so blessed, so blessed to have had this time with you and to be able to share you with my listeners how can they have more of you how can they learn from you
1: yeah best place is uh go to at anthony trucks on instagram i think it's probably the best place to go because if you go there and find you know some links we have things that allow us to take to give you quizzes so you can kind of see where you're at right now life-wise we'll call it and then i I always find that like you can go grab my number one ebook that stuff it's cool but I want you to like me before you grab it. So go check out my stuff. If this engages with you and you like it, find me on on social media. And then there's more than enough ways to find out how to go deeper down the rabbit hole of my work once you get there.
0: Anthony, this truly has been one of my most, uh, probably the number one favorite podcast I've had. So thank you for sharing your beautiful light with me and with the world and just continue doing what you're doing because you are such a gift.
1: Thank you. You too.
0: Thank you. Thank you for listening and sharing this precious time with me. Please remember to subscribe and to leave me a review. You can find me on Instagram at Siri Linley, Facebook Siri Linley, and Twitter at Seltz, selts. S E L T S. You can also reach me via email at info at Have an amazing day and shine on.